Welcome to our podcast. I'm Pastor Mark Voss. The Lord always intended for people from all over the world to be gathered into his church. He sent his son to be the savior of all, who died for the sins of all. Today, God reminds us that he has taken away not only the wall of sin that once kept us separated from him, but he has joined us together as members of the church. Our sermon text today is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. The title of our message is Destroying the Walls of Hostility. May God bless you as you hear and take to heart the truths of his holy word. Our second scripture reading this morning, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. These words will also serve as our sermon text today. Paul writes, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He made the two groups one by destroying the wall of hostility that divided them, when he abolished the law of commandments and regulations in his flesh. He did this to create in himself one new person out of the two, in this way, making peace. And he did this to reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by putting the hostility to death on it. He also came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The word of the Lord. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear fellow citizens in the kingdom, fellow members of God's family, it's appropriately called the Great Wall of China. In fact, in 2007, it was named and listed as one of the seven wonders of the modern world, and for good reason. Work on the Great Wall of China began in the year 221 B.C., the Great Wall of China is an astonishing 13,000 miles long. It was built in ancient days to protect China's northern border from foreign invaders. In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is talking about walls too, walls of hostility. More pointedly, Paul is talking to us about the way in which those walls of hostility are destroyed. What are these? Walls of hostility, Paul's writing about. 
First of all, we need to understand that there was a time when there was a huge wall that separated us from our holy God, a wall that would prevent us from ever being members of God's family. And that wall, of course, was sin, the sin that we inherited from our parents, the sin that we were born with, the sins that we all commit on a daily basis. It comes easy to us to sin. It comes naturally to us according to our sinful nature. We do things and we think things and we say things that are in direct contradiction to what God spells out for us in the Ten Commandments. We oftentimes drag our sorry feet when it comes to doing his will. We think only about doing what we want for ourselves and and instead of loving God and loving others, we put ourselves in the forefront. We mainly live our lives doing what we want to do, never mind what God says in the Bible. We figure that other people are there for us to do our will, to please us, and forget about doing the harder things, serving them in love. There's a wall of sin that threatened to bar us from God's presence forever. It threatened to keep us out of God's family. If we were going to have any hope of being saved, any hope of living in fellowship with this holy God, that wall of sin had to come down. That, of course, is what the Lord Jesus Christ did. He destroyed that wall of hostility called sin. And the battering ram that Jesus used to level that wall of sin was the cross. That's where he removed your sin. That's where he took away all that kept you from being in God's good graces. And that's where Jesus, through his shed blood, brought you, who were once far away from God, near to him. You live in God's tender embrace. The Lord dwells within your heart by faith. The Lord has set you on the path that leads to heaven, as Paul says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. How? By the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Dear Christian, you have peace with God. You have been reconciled to God. You are one of God's own for now and forever, and Paul says that through Christ you have access to the Father, and every promised blessing in this life and in the life that is yet to come. You are reconciled to God because in Christ Jesus, your sin has been washed away forever. Reconciled. You live at one with your God. Remember that. When it feels to you like God is a million miles away from you, thanks to some dark cloud that's hovering over your head again, When you feel that way, friend, don't trust your feelings. Our feelings are fickle and unreliable. Instead, trust the perfect word of the Lord your God. He tells you here in the clearest of terms that even though you were once far away, lost in sin and unbelief, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You have a place in the family of the Most High God. You are his dearly loved child. When your sins leave you feeling terrified and alienated, look to Jesus. He's your peace. But you know, Paul's talking here about the fact that what Jesus did 
didn't just reconcile sinners to their God. It reconciled sinners to each other in the church. The Lord is telling us here that believers in Jesus are one people, the church, one body reconciled not only to God, but living at peace with one another. But that doesn't come easily. Now, racism and hatred and hostility aren't just sinful atrocities in our world today. Sadly, they were alive and well in the early Christian church in Paul's day. Paul's writing here about a wall of hostility that divided two different groups of Christians. He's talking about the hatred and the hostility and the prejudice, the racism that existed between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Now you have to realize that this letter to the Ephesians was a letter that the Holy Spirit had Paul write to, of the Christian church in the ancient city of Ephesus. That was a church that was made up predominantly of Gentile Christians. The reality was that Gentile Christians were sometimes made to feel like second-class Christians because they didn't have Jewish blood coursing through their veins. How did that come to be? Well, in the Old Testament, in the Law of Moses, you'll remember that God had put a, a kind of a hedge around his people, Israel. He did things and commanded things to keep them separate from the heathen nations around them. And his purpose was to keep his people to himself, for himself, so that he could bring the promised Savior into the world. God put a hedge around his people, and he did that by means of that Old Testament Law of Moses. There were things that God demanded and required of Israel that he didn't require of Gentiles. Right? They're dietary laws. Can't eat unclean food, no pork, no bacon. They're worship rules and laws. Worship only on the Sabbath day, on Saturday. The sacrifices and the sin offerings that God required of his people. Again, God's purpose was to keep his people separate from the heathen nations to preserve them in faith because he loves us. He wanted to bring Christ into the world. But sadly, the fallout was that that ended up causing a good deal of bad blood, even hatred, between Jews and Gentiles. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles as heathen nations whom God never really could love. And the Gentiles resented the Jews, judging them in sinful pride. Now the time had come, with Jesus ascended back into heaven, for God to send his apostles out to share the gospel with the Gentile world. Paul was commissioned as a missionary to the Gentiles. So now this is going to become an issue. You would have in the same congregation Jewish Christians right alongside of Gentile Christians. How would those Christian Jews and Gentiles live together, love one another in the church? I mean, you heard the Lord saying it in our first reading this morning from Isaiah 56. God had clearly spelled out that he intended not only Jews but also Gentiles to draw near to him at the temple. But you know, the people of Israel refused to understand the beautiful mystery that God meant his salvation for the Gentile world too. 
the Israelites separated themselves from Gentile Christians. And when Herod's temple was built in Jerusalem, their prejudice was literally set in stone. This is a diagram of Herod's temple. You'll notice there in the middle that the Jews had designated an outer court to be the court of the Gentiles. They built a a big wall called the Soreg to keep the Gentiles out of their temple. They were banished to the outer courts. They posted signs at the gates with warnings. Racism and hatred and hostility are sadly still alive and well in our world today. You don't have to look too hard to see evidence of a completely fractured society. Think about those walls of hostility. Have you ever caught yourself holding a grudge against someone else? Refusing to show them patient, kind, forgiving love, the kind of love that God has shown to you, you have put a wall of hostility between you and that person that needs to come down. Spiritually speaking, have there been times when you, way down deep in your heart of hearts, have felt superior to others whom you don't deem as being as godly or as patient or as kind or as loving as you are? It's a wall of hostility. Have you ever judged someone as being too rotten to be ever won over for the truth by the gospel of Jesus? So why even try? That's a wall of hostility. Have there been times in your life when you looked at a group of others and you thought to yourself, well, God loves me for sure, but them, probably not. It's a wall of hostility. Lord, forgive us. Use your good news to tear down such walls of hostility and fill our hearts with a love like yours. You saw that in this morning's gospel reading, right? Jesus leaves the friendly confines of the the territory of Israel and heads into the heathen territory of Tyre and Sidon. He has in mind an interaction with a Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman, one whom many Jews would have assumed should be completely ignored. Not only did Jesus not refuse to have an interaction with her, when all was said and done, Jesus pointed at her and said, Woman, your faith is great. While that may have surprised some of the Jews who heard what Jesus said, the truth is that God always intended his church to be for all the nations. Paul declares that God made Jew and Gentile one by destroying that wall of hostility that divided them. How how did God remove that wall? He points us to what Jesus did for us at the cross. By his living and dying and rising again, Jesus fulfilled the law. He took us out from under that law. We're no longer under law, but under grace. He abolished the law that divided Jews and Gentile and created one new person out of the two, one glorious body of believers in Christ, our Savior. And Paul's assuring the Gentile Christians there in Ephesus, who were once far away, that they were no longer spiritual foreigners and outsiders and strangers. God had joined them together 
to the fellow believing Jewish Christians. He says God created in himself one new person out of the two in this way making peace. He set them at peace, not only at peace with God, but now at peace with each other too. And and did you notice in our text, Paul uses three different word pictures to drive that point home. First he says to Gentile Christians, you Gentile Christians are fellow citizens with the saints. Together, as believers in the crucified and risen Savior, whose cross had torn down that dividing wall of hostility, they were now all equal citizens in the kingdom of God, fellow citizens in the same kingdom. They served one God who ruled all of the, over all of them in grace and mercy, who loved them all the same with his perfect love. Secondly, Paul says to the Gentile Christians, you are members of God's household. Not just citizens in God's kingdom, but members in God's family. The family of God. And that was true of all of them, Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, rich and poor, young and old, male and female, all of them brothers and sisters in Christ who served the Lord their God as their loving Heavenly Father. And one more word picture. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Together, these believers made a church. Paul pictures it as this spiritual building. It's built on the foundation of the prophets, the Old Testament, and the apostles, the New Testament. And he goes on with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Christ is the cornerstone of the church. We build everything on Jesus. We preach him crucified by his work. We live in him. He has made us holy. And what's more, he has joined us, friends, to each other. A holy temple together. The church is not brick and mortar, steeples and pulpits. The church is people. Sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. One glorious church, united in Christ, united in doctrine, and as Paul says, in him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Divine grace, we are family in Christ. Let this be a place where we come together to celebrate the truth that we are one in the highest sense of that word, one in Christ. Here in the church, we can have differences of opinion about matters that are not spelled out clearly in God's word, but let's not allow any of those differences of opinion to ever unravel our unity in the Spirit, our oneness in Christ. We are one in Christ. Let's cherish and celebrate that oneness. Let's love each other as we have been loved by the Lord our God. Let's truly care for and care about one another and see each other as family, a family of believers. Man, what a blessing that is. What a wonderful opportunity stands before us to go and share that love with those who are still far away, lost in sin because they don't know the Father's love. What a great blessing it is for us to know that God intended his church to be for all the nations of the world. One of the greatest joys of our recent synod convention up in Saginaw was having the opportunity to welcome into our fellowship 
the Obadiah Lutheran Synod of Uganda. What a blessing to think about these believers in Christ scattered around the world. What a joy and a privilege to listen to a pastor speaking in his native Spanish, a pastor from Colombia, thanking the Wells for being there for them, for training pastors to share the gospel far and wide. What a blessing for us to be able to go to anyone and everyone else and assure them, friend, Christ died for your sins. Help us to reach out with that good news. There are things that we can offer here as a congregation, but it'll be far more effective as each member goes and finds someone else. Extend invitations to the people that you know who don't have a church or who aren't connected to a church. Next Sunday, we'll hold our Friendship Sunday, a picnic to follow our two worship services. Why not extend an invitation to someone to come along with you? In this morning's bulletin, there's information about the upcoming Bible Basics course. This will be a a golden opportunity, not just for our members to review the basic teachings of God's Word, but to invite someone who's looking for a church to come and explore those teachings together with you. Extend the invitation. Foreign invaders in the ancient world would have come to that great wall of China and seen it as an impossible, impenetrable wall. It's a wall that still stands to this very day, all these years later. But that wall of sin that once barred all of us from fellowship with God and a place in his family, Jesus took that wall down by his blood shed for us. And the gospel that he established not only reconciles us to God, it leaves us reconciled to each other. Divine grace, what kind of a church do we want to be? Let's be the church that God wants us to be, a church united by the word, built on the Lord Jesus Christ, reaching out to sinners from all over the world to come and learn about the grace of our Savior and the salvation that is found only in him. Amen.